Oh, welcome to the Miami Sports Pod. Will Manso, Clay Ferrero, and this pod is, uh, man, it's it's the story of every week, it seems like, but it's only getting worse with football in South Florida, Clay. We could go in a lot of directions, but I, I really, more than anything, want to talk about the fix of how things get changed, fixed, whatever it may be, with the Miami Dolphins and the Miami Hurricanes. And to every fan out there that's listening, I think the easy solution is, hey, fire everyone, right? I mean, that's it. Make the changes, this and that, and I get it. But, Clay, when you look at the Miami Dolphins when we're starting, an embarrassing loss to the Jags, a team that lost 20 straight. They go to London, and they just are awful in key moments and big moments in that game down the stretch. They fall to the Jags. They've lost five in a row. If you're sitting there going, okay, fire someone, who is it? And would you make changes now six weeks into the season? Because Stephen Ross cannot be a happy man right now. I wouldn't make changes that – over like overhauling the entire thing right now. I don't think it does any good. The and I think the the reason why is because the problems are so big that you know you you either have to overhaul the entire thing, in which case like you you can't make those sorts of fixes and have it do any good in season, or you make some minor tweaks. And it sounds like they actually made some minor tweaks trying to streamline the offense on Sunday and it didn't work. So then the bigger question becomes, well, okay, if it's not a minor tweak thing, it is an overhaul thing, then whose fault is it? And what is the main problem? And will, I just think there's a massive talent deficiency on this team. Is it really talent? I mean, is it, I think so. I mean, how, but with all the capital that they've had, if that is your reasoning, and by the way, you're not alone in thinking that if that's your reasoning, then shouldn't Chris Greer get fired because isn't he Uh, the one pulling the strings? That, I mean, that's the direction I'm going. And, you know, it's hard because you don't want to call for anybody to lose their job. Like that's, it's a hard thing to do in this business. And yet I will say this, look at the Dolphins drafts, especially the last, what, five, six years under Chris Greer. Who are the hits in these draft picks? Like who, who would you say, okay, that guy is a hit. Xavier Howard, for sure. Yep. I put Jerome Baker in that category. I put Mika Fitzpatrick in that category, but he's on another team. I would put Laramie Tunsil in that category he's on another team maybe i'm missing will one or two and we can we can discuss and debate guys like javon holland like jalen waddle like chris that's still to be determined though i think that's still to be determined but but the bottom line is that when you have that many draft picks and i can name on one hand the surefire hits that's a problem and the person in charge of making those decisions is the one at fault. And and so, Will, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, if you're going to point the finger at somebody at this point, I think it's Chris Greer. And I, I think certainly you look at the personnel and, and that's the main issue. Well, look, you got all the capital that they've had the last few years and then they make deals. And and, and again, this draft class is very hard to, I know people are going to be hard on Jalen Waddle. I still like Jalen Waddle. I think he could be something. I mean, he did catch two touchdowns, uh, though it takes him a hundred catches to get any kind of yardage. The Dolphins have not found ways to get him in the open field and use that incredible speed. But when you look at Waddle, it's too early. Holland, you mentioned, I mean, there's still some guys, but when you look at Austin Jackson and what, you know, and the way the offensive line, so many teams that struggle in football these days, you go to the offensive line and that's where the number one problem falls. And when you've got a quarterback that is history is not being a guy that is necessarily a, uh, you know, uh, a big guy that doesn't get hurt. And look, Tua comes with the injury prone label. I get it, but he can't comes back goes for 300 yards. Yet the issues that this team has with that offensive line, it's hard for him to get any kind of rhythm. You got players out Devontae Parker, you know, Will Fuller, you go down the list, Preston Williams. I mean, no one 
making plays coming out there. They got no ground game, which by the way, it goes back to Chris Greer. So I go back to the fundamental point. I'm not the kind of person that says fire this guy, fire that guy. Cause I sure as heck wouldn't want people just doing podcasts saying, Hey, fire me. So, and, but, I, but you also understand that in a business like this, the general manager is the one that pulls the strings and gets, you know, the heat when these things don't work out. Clay, Stephen Ross is 81 years old. We saw him at the game there in London. We saw him, they, they showed him a couple of times looking down on the field. He doesn't have the patience to wait, nor am I sure he should wait. And oh, by the way, the Dolphins made that trade with Philly. They, the, the Eagles currently have the Dolphins pick in next year's draft, which is number two yeah. overall. I mean, you add it all together. And I guess my point is someone has to take the fall. And whether that's Chris Greer, a combination of Greer and Flo, or oh, by the way, maybe just changing some staff around. Because right now, Flo, this offense, how many coordinators has Flo had in his few years here? I mean, yeah, and I think that I think that's part of the problem with this whole thing too. Is like you can say, all right, we got to get rid of this offensive coordinator, but the teams who are successful year in and year out, it's the teams that have some level of continuity there. The teams who are good, they have guys who stick around. That doesn't mean the guys don't leave for promotions, but then you promote from within, et cetera, et cetera. I'm saying all that because. You know, he's had 728 offensive coordinators, and this is his third season. Yeah, so you're not like, exaggerating, like or barely. It, there's there's no continuity there whatsoever. Now that doesn't mean that oh, getting rid of the the coordinators that he had wasn't the right choice, but it means that at some point you got to find the right guy. And so clearly that hasn't worked. That falls on the head coach. And then the other problem, Will, is while I think there is a massive talent efficiency, and I think that's the main overarching problem here. And obviously, look, it hurt having Xavier Howard and, and Byron Jones out on Sunday, but you still should beat that Jaguars team. There were so many in-game decisions that were just no clue what anybody was thinking with some of these. I mean, you, you take the ball out of two of his hands on the fourth down. You decide to go for it on fourth and one, which is fine. But then you start two yards back in the ball off instead of bringing in Jacoby Brissett, letting him sit. I mean, so while I think the talent deficiency is the major problem, in-game stuff is also a massive problem with this team right now to where, like, you may not have the talent to win the AFC East, but you got enough talent to compete for a 500 wild card spot type of school and you you're not doing it. So no. there's blame all around. So even though I think that the talent is the major problem, there are other issues within the coaching staff and decisions made throughout the game that have caused a major, major problem. As well. All right. So let's go to Brian floors. I mean, I, I will say it uh, and clay, you know, that this is true. We've talked about it in the pod and on the show many times. I've been a big Brian floors believer and fan. I felt he came in with a good discipline and attitude as a coach to establish, you know, his quote unquote culture. I thought players bought into that culture. I thought he did look, he hasn't been perfect, but I thought his first couple of years, I thought he did a good job of trying to bring in and identify the type of player he wanted and the type of culture he wanted. And the results ended up being there last year with 10 wins after a slow start, you know, and, and the strong finish to his first year where they were terrible. Oh, and seven. And then they finished strong. So I thought I had seen enough of Brian Flores to say, Hey, I think the dolphins have their coach. I do. But to the points that you just made between the, coordinator flux of just guys in and out now and you know the whole the whole spy stuff about being you know like all coy about the who's the coordinator who's calling the plays I mean, this is stuff that's just childish in my opinion I think it's it's beneath Brian Flores because I respect him 
I think it's beneath him to make it such this little cloak and dagger thing of like, who's the offensive coordinator? Oh, we have multiple guys and, and there's a communication process. Come on, man. This is the way football has been forever. You got a guy who calls plays, he calls plays. If he doesn't call them well, the guys don't execute, then you figure it out. But this whole deception thing isn't deceiving anyone because we're seeing the results and they're not good. So who's calling them doesn't matter. The point is the bottom line. And then his in-game stuff with the timeout usage, the decisions that he makes on when to go or not to go for things, when to kick or when not to kick. There is a lot of indecisiveness from a guy that I felt came in with the right attitude and a no-nonsense guy. And I feel that when push comes to shove in the biggest moments, he struggles. And, and that's not what I expected. It's not what I thought, but it's what's come to be especially during this five-game losing streak. And we saw parts of it in his first couple of years. But listen, results change your opinion on things. This is a results business. They won 10 games last year. I think a lot of people thought, including myself, that they could build off that. But when you have the injuries, the lack of talent in some areas, as you mentioned, and you play these close games, coaching matters. And right now, Brian Flores isn't living up to his end of the bargain as the head coach. He has said it. He said, look, I got to coach better. I got to be better. We got to do better. But again, Stephen Ross at 81 isn't going to sit there and be, don't worry, Flo, uh, figure things out over these next couple of years, see what happens, especially if they make a change at GM. Because if they do, you know how this works. GM comes in, he wants his own guy. If the Dolphins win five games this year, they bring in a new general manager. I'm not sure if that GM is looking at this roster and going, you know, this isn't too bad. And I like what I got on the head coach. Let's keep the plan. No, I think Flo would be out of the job. And, and, and again, I'm a fan. And I haven't quit on flow yet as a guy who could be the answer, but he's got a lot to prove in this final 11, 12 weeks of the season. Yeah. And some of the best coaches in the NFL didn't necessarily start off great. It took time for them to learn how to do the job. Though Belichick wasn't great in Cleveland, you know, so there, there's certainly precedent for that. You're not necessarily going to come in, but I think the problem will is that you're seeing new issues pop up with this team. And it, it, you know, the, the penalty problem is just such a, for, for somebody who preaches discipline, for them to be so bad when it comes to penalties, it's a massive issue. Um, so the very things that Brian Flores preaches to his players, it's not showing up. And what I don't know is, is that because there's a communication gap for him? Is yeah. it because there's, there's lack of communication amongst the assistants and the players? You know, what I found interesting, too, is there were some grumbling from players who left and that happens a lot but specifically I, Brian Fitzpatrick talked about how when they made the change he was blindsided and then Kyle Van Noy as well seemed uh, to hint it just felt like things didn't feel right on the way out so when you're winning that's not a problem you know, it, you know guys who leave and and they're angry about it and they badmouth the previous staff for whom they played like then you're just seen as a malcontent as a player. Mm-hmm. But when things start to pop up, then you start to wonder, okay, what exactly was going on here? So, yeah. you know, I, yeah. And, and so, no, I'm with you. I don't think Flores is without hope. I, I do think that he's shown a lot of good things, but on the flip side of that, they got to figure out exactly what's going wrong here. Cause well, what this is starting to feel like is the Adam Gase tenure only one year shifted later. You know, Adam Gase had the, the, the playoff year, his first year, everybody thought, Hey, things are great. Then he had year two where things were bad. He had a quarterback injury. That was why Tannehill being hurt, bringing Jay Cutler. But 
it just feels, and obviously Tua is going to be a season long thing. At least we hope he doesn't get hurt again. But mm-hmm. you're starting to see some of the same things pop up. Much, much different personality as a coach. But I'm concerned that you you already saw the peak of Brian Flores' tenure as a Dolphin. And we may end up going the same route as Gase. And that has to change real fast. Yeah, I, I think that, that what, it, what it comes down to it is that we've had all these these close, you know, hey, this is the guy, this is the guy. And about the only guy you probably didn't feel it with was Joe Philbin. But when you look at 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 dating back to Tony Soprano, you know, or Soprano, yeah. Soprano, excuse me. I yeah. was just watching the Sopranos the other day, which by the way, I love uh when still you still hold up. Yeah, you still when you look at the the things, there's always been that one season of hope, right? With all these coaches. And yet when then you get to that second, third, fourth year, whatever it may be that system, that culture just isn't there, that, that, that growth isn't there. And it is, look, it's, it's something that has, it's a GM coach, you know, combination issue. And the one that we've been told about Flo and Greer is that they're in alignment in a sense that they both say here, you know, well, it's, it gets tricky. gets very tricky when you have to assign blame to who gets the blame when they're working together. Cause at that point, if you're a package deal, they both have to go, you see? So I, yeah, I don't know what Stephen Ross is believing. I just, Clay, I just can't imagine Stephen Ross is just going to say this is normal. That's fine. Well, and I'm glad you brought up the point about alignment because that was where I was going to go next with this thing because we hear that a lot. And yet, and then you had the report from Jason Lock and Flora a couple of weeks ago that Brian Flores wanted Justin Herbert and not Tua in that draft. And that screams to me. I'm not saying Flores is the one who leaked this, but clearly there was somebody who was close enough to the situation that Lock and Flora trusted enough to put this out there. And if that's the case, then that's not alignment. Now, that, that doesn't mean that there aren't disagreements. But the fact that somebody felt the need to get that out there shows that somebody is trying to protect Brian Flores, whoever it was that, that gave that info to Lock and Fora. Somebody's trying to protect Brian Flores when it comes to the blame game here. And that, that, that may not be somebody close to flow. That may be a scout. It may be somebody who, who j- doesn't really kept just trying to assign who it was that said, I want this player over this player. So to me, Will, that the fact that there was at least enough disagreement that that became a thing shows that if you can't be aligned on the most important draft pick that you're ever going to have as a coach-GM combo, I mean, that's an issue. So, yeah, I, I, I think the alignment thing seems to be a problem. Every Now, with that said, everything seems to be a problem when you're losing. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what, that's what like there are a lot of results. Issues. Results, right. right? We play off results so much. If we study results so much, that is what you get. You know, that's that's how you get judged, right? The results. So if you play out the results last year, you could say, okay, Brian Flores was fine. Things were going okay. But when you peel back the layers, you could see certain things that were concerning. And the problem is now, without the results, we're seeing that those certain things that are concerning were maybe a little bit more of an open wound than a little small cut. You know, there was yeah. there were issues. And then the changes this offseason that haven't worked, the players from last season that haven't developed, you know, again, there have been some misses in this regime. Clay, I want to move on to the Canes, so let's just end the Dolphins talk with this. How does this change? If you, if if it's not fire someone now, which you and I, again, we started off saying, I don't want to sit here and be like, let's fire everyone. I understand it's an easy thing to say, but if that's not the direction, then how does Brian Flores turn this around? How does he save his job? Chris Greer isn't making picks right now, so guys either have to develop, and on Flo's end, he has to coach these guys to wins, or otherwise, none of this is going to matter come the end of the season. Stephen Ross is not going to keep the status quo. 
Well, you made a comment about Brian Flores and, and some of the indecisiveness, the lack of confidence, things like that. I This team needs confidence. To do that, you need to win a ball game. Then you need to win another ball game. Then you need to win another ball game. I mean, that's when the confidence, the swag starts to set in with the team. I, uh, I think it was Manny Diaz who was talking about with the, the Canes, and he's right, that true swag isn't something that you just walk into the room. You're, you're, you may be born with the propensity to that, but unless and until you start to succeed, you're not going to be confident. Like you need to have some sort of success in order to be confident. So, Will, I'm not seeing any fix on the surface that's going to lead to this thing turning around. They got to win a ball game. And I don't care if that means the ball bounces the right way seven times. They got to win a ball game. Then they got to win another one that maybe we're having a different discussion in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And by the way, to end this discussion, a lot will be the rest of this season really to me is about, okay, who, who's staying, you know, is two of your guy and who's staying, whether it's a new regime or not, you got to find out what you got because right now the Dolphins aren't going to be a playoff team. I feel pretty comfortable saying that at one and five, that they're not going to miraculously turn around their season and make a playoff push. But you got to find out what you have into uh, either for this yeah. regime or the next one. You got to, there are so many things that the Dolphins need to figure out with the players they have on top of the fact they still don't have a running back. They still have questions with playmakers. I mean, again, I like Waddle, but obviously time will tell as far as how much of an electric playmaker he can be and how you use him. There are more questions than answers. And that's not where I thought we'd be here at week six of the season. And maybe I was wrong and naive and I'm okay to admit that I was wrong or naive or both. But the Dolphins stink right now, and that's just the, the honest reality that 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 the record and the play shows so far. All right, now the Miami Hurricanes, and and it's funny we can have a lot of these discussions the same way. Except in this case, I don't think there's anything that could save Manny Diaz, um, Clay. And I I've tried to I like Manny. I, I've always rooted for him over the years. I think I thought his story was great. I thought coming you know being the head coach of Miami after everything that happened, I thought he's the guy that maybe can be the lifer that wants to stay here. But Clay, I think everybody that says he's in over his head and he's just he doesn't really know how to run a program and make the game day decisions altogether. I think the kids play hard. I like that he went to young players and he's trying to get the young players and, and, and you're getting to see a little bit about the talent of what could be. But the Canes are losing these heartbreaking games. Manny's making some questionable decisions, and I just don't see how he saves his job. I just think at this point there really is no turning back. Unfortunately, I think you're right. Now, the only thing I guess that may give you some hope is again the the coastal is an abject disaster. Um, yeah, so they, they haven't know. won a conference game yet. No, I I agree, and you know maybe I shouldn't have even gone there. It's it's just more the fact that like if you were to say win out and and they start to you know same thing with the with the Dolphins like if you start to win a football game then maybe the confidence grows. If you know Tyler Van Dyke starts to look like maybe he's the next great thing and it. So I, I'm just saying, even if there's a 0.001% chance, that's it. With that said, I agree with you. I, I don't see it happening. Um, and so the question then becomes, where do you go moving forward? And, and I actually think that maybe it's just lip service, but I, I do think that Julio Frank, Dr. Julio Frank coming out and saying what he did after the, the Kirk Herbstreit comments on, on college game day, that he wanted to be more involved. I think that can help you in your search for a new athletic director, in your search for uh, a head coach. I want to stop right there. The head athletic director with Blake James. Is this a combo deal like the Greer Floors conversation we had earlier that, you know, if, if you're not that the next head coach is not going to be picked by Blake James, because I'm not sure that this is the case. I think Blake may save his job. You may be right. The opportunity to get another head coach. You may be right. And maybe that's what's that's what's necessary. Let's say Blake James does stay. Okay. 
I feel, I still feel like Dr. Frank coming out and saying what he did proves that, hey, we realize that there was an issue that needed to be fixed. And, and now I believe that uh, I, 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 I believe that I wasn't doing enough. And so now I, as the president of the university, I'm going to be more involved. And so I do think that you can at least sell to a potential candidate. This is why things are going to be different. This is what I'm going to do when it comes to fundraising. This is what I'm going to do when it comes to, hey, some schools, man, within, you know, within reason, they have them, they have them visit with recruits on campus. Like there, there are ways that a school president can and should get involved to help. So I'm saying all this because let's say Manny goes. I feel like the Canes may be better positioned to hire a head coach who can come in and, and kind of read the room because I feel like for the first time in a long time, the Canes may be willing to step up and say, these are our problems. That instead of saying, all right, we just need somebody to come in and, and, and inject life and bring enthusiasm, whatever. These are the issues that need fixing. We are willing to work with the next head coach to come in and fix it. You still have so much potential down here. So I, I feel like you're right. Probably Manny can't save his job. And I do think they're going to be better positioned to bring in the right guy when they do make that move. Well, I thought, you know, and the thing with Manny is even as of a week or two ago, I thought go on an ACC run kind of to your point on the coastal. And I know fans get really mad when they hear the coastal, the coastal, they think of Al Golden. They never, you know, this isn't this Miami should have a higher standard. I get it. But to me this year, and I said it in the preseason when we previewed the Canes is win the coastal and have an opportunity to win the ACC. That was the goal. And I thought to get there, you'd have to maybe go what? eight and three, eight and four, you know, nine and three type of year. And you lose a couple of games. They see you obviously lose the Bama. Maybe you lose, you know, you lose one of those non-conference games against a Michigan state or app state, whoever it may be. I really thought that's where Miami was going. I didn't think Miami was an 11 and one team. I, I, and I don't think anybody really did, but I thought that's the team that could get the problem is they're staring at not only the losses to the Alabama and the Michigan state and, you know, the teams that maybe you thought they might struggle with certainly Bama, but they're not winning their ACC games, you know, and, they, and they've had these heartbreakers and these type Virginia comes in and beats them. And, you know, the comeback falls short. Then they go to North Carolina, a team that was supposed to be good. that hasn't turned out that good. They make a fierce comeback and fall short. This team just doesn't know how to finish. And a lot of that times it points to coaching. So saving his job would mean running the table. And I just don't see this team running the table. I, I, I don't. I, I Again, I go back. They're playing hard for Manny. I do. And not that that matters. These kids should play hard. But a lot of times you see teams quit on their coach. And I think the, the flip side for Manny is going young, as I mentioned earlier, actually looks better on him on the field because rarely are you going to have young kids that haven't played much football quit on you. You're going to have the older guys that maybe are sick of this crap and just like been sick of the losing and, and everything the last few years. And they're just like, whatever, man, I'm checking out and looking ahead to my future. You know, that's not the case with the young guys. They're going to play hard for Manny or whoever's the head coach. I wish that things would turn around as a fan. And again, as, as, as someone who would root for Manny, I would, I would root for the head coach. I want him to have success. But Clay, unlike Flo, where I still have a foot on board that train, you know, and, and maybe I could get that second foot back on, my, both my feet are kind of planted outside of the train with Manny Diaz. I don't think I, I don't think I think that one is gone. It's past the station and it's not coming back. Yeah. And maybe Manny Diaz turns out to be the type of coach that learns from failing at his first job and, and turns out to be better down the line. But I, I, I'm with you. And so I, 
you know, it, it almost feels like at this point you start thinking, you know, you, you start doing the, what do they call them on message boards, the coaches hot board, like the, the coaches that you're going to look at to come in next. And, and will I just think they need somebody that comes in, has a realistic view of where this program is. Frankly, I thought Mark Richt had the right idea. I feel like I understand why uh, everybody felt like it was time to part ways with that. But I think what you need is somebody to come in who understands that you have to you have to be organized. You have to do all the things that a good head coach does. And maybe not necessarily being flashy down here. You don't really have to do that. You can because you get the right players. You're going to be flashy. And if you win, you're going to be flashy just because there's so much talent around here. Um, so, you know, but unfortunately for, for Manny Diaz, uh, we're going to have a whole off season potentially to talk about that. Yeah, it's going to, it's going to come and, and there are going to be a lot of questions. And I didn't think we'd find ourselves in this position with either team. We just had a podcast where basically we were talking about who's going to, are these coaches going to even make it to the end of the season or, or, or will they be here next year? And I think if you had to put, if you had to put odds on it, I mean, I think the odds on Brian Flores are at best 50-50, depending on what happens the rest of the year, given that there could be a GM change and we know what that could mean. And again, given that Stephen Ross can only take so much, I mean, he can only be so patient with everything that all the money he's spent and the big facility they built in Miami Gardens there and the, the upgrades to the stadium and the free agent money and and okaying all the draft capital and 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 going the route that they've gone to try to rebuild this team and to be stuck here with all that capital, all that money, all those investments and be one in five. Again, I, somebody has to take the fall. It can't stay status quo. And on Manny Diaz is in, I would say his odds maybe are 20% at best. You know, mm -hmm. you're talking about a situation that I'm just not sure is fixable. You would love to, this is the situation where you hope to look in the future and say, Hey, I was wrong. I got proven wrong. Their teams turned things around. They got better. Things got okay, but I don't see it happening. You know, the only, the only few words that can make us feel better is that the heat start on Thursday. <laughs> hey, yeah. Panthers off to a good start too. So, Hey, Panthers, we at least got we to, tape, yes, we take the winners two and oh, we won't, uh, we won't bring up where inner Miami is that inner Miami somehow because I, because football is the king in town. I, I didn't even realize this, Will, until I was putting together the show for Saturday night. They lost six matches in a row, and they've been outscored 16-1 to one yeah, in those right. six matches. 16-1! to one. By the way, I was trying to end it on a positive with the, with the Heat and Panthers. Why are you oh, yeah, go he, there? Heater back. Why, why, why heater do you back. go there? You gotta Tyler go there. Hero, preseason. <laughs> Tyler Hero had five twenty or four or five 20-point games in the preseason. He's a man. Uh, yeah, oh. this, uh, this, that's all we can pin our hopes on. Uh, as for the Dolphins and Canes, look, we'll, we'll continue to follow. We'll see what happens. We'll certainly talk more heat. I know that we'll tape a heat preview as well this week at some point. We'll find some time to give you a heat podcast because we want some positivity. We'll give you some good stuff. So we appreciate it always listening and uh, subscribing to the Miami Sports Pod. I wish it was a better pod. I wish we had better news. But right now, football in South Florida pretty much unwatchable. <laughs>